You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Real fast, let me go ahead and tell you about Inbox Dollars. Are you looking for a side hustle so easy you could do it while sitting on the toilet or in between commercials watching your favorite show? Unless you're like on demand and commercials are like an ancient thing to you. Hear me out. Inbox Dollars has your back. For 20 years, Inbox Dollars has paid over $59 million in cash rewards to its members for doing everyday online activities such as reading emails, taking online surveys, playing games, and watching videos and TV. They also have ongoing promos and contests for members to win money online. And they share the top ways for people to get beauty samples, free printable coupons, and other free online stuff. With so many easy ways to earn extra cash online and having fun in the process, it's no wonder Forbes, Mashable, Bustle, and so many other trusted outlets name Inbox Dollars the easiest and fastest way to earn money online. If you're looking for a way to influence future products and services while getting paid at the same time, then Inbox Dollars is for you. Click the special link in the show notes of this episode today and get $5 just for signing up. Get this $5 signing bonus just for creating an account. That's Inbox Dollars. The link is in the show notes of today's episode. Get it, get your $5, and get started. Whether you're looking for a comedic retelling of the history of the modern libertarian movement or a dark comedy about the seedy world of American politics, my books, Stay Away from the Libertarians, as well as How to Succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship, have been entertaining thousands of readers throughout the world since 2018. Whether you're looking for the next great book on your reading list or considering a funny and captivating book for the politico or history nut in your life, you can grab a copy of either Stay Away from the Libertarians or How to Succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship today on either Amazon or Barnes & Noble online. Amazon links for the print and ebook editions of both books are available in the show notes. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. All right, folks, you got nothing better to do, so let's waste some time together. I've got Hody on the other side. Hody, how you doing? Doing good, Remzo. It's always a good day when I get to hang out with you, buddy. Um, folks, I, I brought Hody on because I, something I noticed recently, and Hody, tell me if I'm reaching that point in my life where I should really start considering getting my AARP membership. But one of the fans in the group called me an elder millennial. And I don't know how I feel about that. That that gave me a bit of an existential crisis. And then I realized that I've got a good number of people that listen to the show who are actually either entering college or graduating from college. And when I hear that, all I can think of are the few years I have in my life remaining. And I get like this cold sweat breaking down from my brow and like I start to shiver and look at like the countdown on the clock as my life is starting to hit an infinite nothing. And then I realize I'm getting old. I've already seen that first joke about millennials from a younger generation, like old, like millennials be like this. And then our generation be like this at the grocery store. And I'm just like, Oh no, we're getting old people jokes about us already. I, I thought I hated it being like the young upstart that everybody hated, but I decided I definitively hate worse being the, 
old millennial getting conflated with boomers. How old were you when OJ Simpson went to trial? Oh, I must have been in middle school, uh, sixth, sixth grade, probably. I flunked a few years. So no, I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tack on a few. You know, I, I believe what that was. Uh, now, the whole thing happened in 1999, right? 92. So I, 90, oh, 92? Yeah, oh, we're I'm going down. way back. Oh, well, then I, am, I uh, was eight years old then. So apparently, if you remembered watching the White Bronco Chase, you're really an elder millennial. If you were a child during that time, I was not even born yet. So the only thing I have to hold on to that generation with is watching like the Discovery blow up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is when we all learned what the important lesson from that. What was the lesson? Women should not go into space. But that's a whole other topic that's neither here nor there. Um, well, technically, you, you they, look, did. Te- you technically look, they didn't, you right? Look, you, that was the look you just gave me. Folks, we're, this is just <laughs> audio. The look you just gave me when I said that was, oh, I just lost my job now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it gets worse. You're Folks. allowed to get yourself fired. You can't get me fired too, <laughs> Remsa. I'm going to get so many HR emails later from this. But folks, you know, for, for many of you, it is, it, it is incredible what the platform that Chris Spangle has created here at the We Are Libertarians Network, which Hody and I are both very happy to be a part of. I was listening to Wall when I was a freshman in college. And now here I am dishing out some knowledge and I needed somebody that was, you know, cognizant yet young enough to remember the OJ Simpson trial. So I was like, Hody's perfect for this. But then I also learned something crazy. Hody, you would, you got a degree from Liberty University online, right? I did. Okay, well, good. We're six degrees of Liberty alumni right here. I did two years residential, a good chunk of it online because I took full credits in the summer. So, you know, he, he'll understand some of my underhanded jokes because I had kind of a different experience. I did two years at military junior college and then I transferred over to Liberty University. So I've got Hody here who shares some background with me on that, but is an elder millennial enough to have both be considered a senior to most of you listening who were just graduated from college, but also remembered that OJ Simpson killed his wife or so they want you to think. Um, This is one of those things where I, I always thought, how would I answer this question? But you never really know how to answer it until somebody asks. So I'm just gonna go ahead and ask you this, Hody. What's a couple of things you wish you could go back in time and tell yourself before you finish college? I got so many of these. I went back and forth uh, between probably five different colleges. I started off going to the University of Northern Colorado, and I hated it. And then I went to Metro State and hated it, and CU Denver, and I hated it. I'm seeing a trend here. Yeah, <laughs> I went to. Uh, I actually dropped out of college entirely. I got my paramedic two license. I hated that too. So um, I, that? that sounds fun. I started to, Oh, I know. Right. Just long hours at 10 to 10 bucks an hour. How, how can you not just love all of that? Only $10 but, an hour? No, like seriously, that's how much? It, um, if you work the graveyards. It Is this 12. like pre 9-11 money when the dollar actually meant something? <laughs> Sadly, uh, this is post 9-11. I'm not, I'm not that old, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then I got, I got EKV and IKG, sir, or, uh, <laughs> IV and EKG. I mean, excuse me while I combine letters. It's good to know that I'm, sta- I'm the one stabbing a needle in your veins. I'm sure that's what you want to hear. 
that I got certified so I could work in a hospital. And so I made a little, ex- a little bit more money there, but it just wasn't ever good enough. So I ended up going back to college. I should have gone to Liberty University all along. This is not a Liberty University hype commercial because I imagine that if, unless you are someone who is just like me, you will have the opposite experience. You would go to Liberty <laughs> University and hate it and you get your paramedic thing and hate it. And then you'd go to University of Northern Colorado and love it. Like, I'm not trying to talk smack on colleges and just hype my college. My college was right for me. Mm-hmm. And the reason I tell this really long story to a really simple question is because the one thing that I wish I'd looked into is the environment of these colleges and which one would be best for me. I was huge on debate. Speech and debate was my livelihood and I loved it. But I didn't know if there was a future there. And I just was like, you know what, where can I get a lot of money maybe for the future? UNC had a really good nursing program. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe that's something I want to do. And I figured, you know, okay, even if I switch, I'll do something that something like that. But the environment there was terrible for me. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't have extramarital sex. And if you don't do that at UNC, you're going to get bullied. I mean, I, it was like back to middle school, like getting shoved in hallways. I, I understand that. And that is one thing that I didn't realize was such the case until I went off to college. They, my, my parents always told me, because obviously I was so popular in high school, that college is nothing like high school. College is better than high school. And then I went to college and I learned, no, that's a lie. It was a little bit better. But for the most part, like going to a military school, I was, you know, you you have the class system, you have the, you have, you have different companies, you have the guys that you live in the barracks with. It was basically just like high school, but more like prison. So all the things that made high school terrible were only made worse there. Right. And it is, and that can easily be the case. And so the deal is At, at at some camp, at some campuses. Yeah. Right. You I know I have a bit of an outlier experience by what you're telling me. I have definitely heard before from people. Right. And this, the, the thing is, is you need to find a place where you are in the in crowd at Liberty University. Like an, an average student at UNC would feel very uncomfortable at Liberty University. Right. It's just the way it is. For me, I really loved theology and philosophy and discussion and debate. And that was something that was very welcome there. One of the things that I'm proud of with my college is it's the one place where whether you're Bernie Sanders or your Ted Cruz, you can go there, make a speech, be respected, be listened to. Yeah, there's going to be some clapback, but I guarantee all these viral videos you get where it's like some stupid college kid trying to troll somebody who's really smarter than them isn't going to be from Liberty University. They're all very well informed and they understand. And it's one of those that that's just the environment there. Mm-hmm. And that's an environment that I needed. Now, some of you guys might be like, but I love sex and drugs and sleeping with lots of people. Do not go to Liberty University. Like it's just no, <laughs> dude. I had okay. So here are two here are two stories about LU residential. I I won't say names, but my first year, which was my junior year at Liberty, we had an RA who was kicked out of school because his girlfriend, his girlfriend who he was sleeping with, went to the administration. And told them what happened. So she was forgiven and he got kicked out. You could take that apart as you may, but that's one situation that happens. Then there was another incident where my RA, my my last year there, which was my senior year, so my second year, my senior year, um, he was sleeping with his girlfriend. He self-reported himself and left the school mid-semester. So it was always kind of funny seeing this. I always felt like if 
if you go to that school specifically, there are just some things you know prior to coming in. It's not like they don't tell you about this stuff. Now, I will tell you, as someone that did get a girlfriend who I've been with uh, since then, I graduated from Liberty in 2017. The one thing I do remember when I was there as a single man in 2015 was that, yeah, it's going to get a little bit hard because it's a majority female population and the stereotypes were true. A good majority of them were really hot. So it made things really difficult. But at the same time, it's not like people could get mad when they got in trouble for things because you knew exactly what you were getting into when you went there. So when people try and, you know, smack talk the school and all this other stuff, it's like you either didn't go on the tour or you didn't know what the school was about before you got there. Which can easily happen. I will yeah. say like with you, like the, the goal for these colleges is to get you in and paying their money. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is I had a lot of scholarships going out. So my, my experience is going to be a little bit different, you know, and they weren't just from specific colleges. I specifically went and got scholarships that were some based on, um, oh, I even went to Weber, Weber State for a semester. There you go. There's a fun fact. That, uh, Man, that you must will- have paid thousands in transcripts. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> if you were to total the transcript money, like $40 per college, I'm probably this out. This is like, starting yeah. to add up. It's a, it's going to add up a little bit as far as visitation goes. But almost all of them had some kind of thing like, hey, if you score this high on this test, we'll cover all of this for you or we'll do all this for you. So one of the biggest mistakes that I made, and maybe this is number two of what I want to say, what you should do when, do when you go into a college is make sure they're not ripping you off because the bottom line is they act like they're not competing for your money, but they are. And so, yeah, sometimes they'll be like, "Eh, sorry, we can't quite have you here because your grades aren't this, that, or the other guys, people kind of don't care whether, where you get your economics degree from Mm -hmm. flat out. You can say you have it. It can be from a community college and it can be from Harvard. And honestly, as long as you have it, you got it. You can throw the Harvard on thing for like a little extra sprinkle of prestige but a lot of the economists that are actually famous right now didn't even go to college at all for economics. So Henry Hazlitt was a janitor. Yeah. Yes. Great point. So this is, this is one of those things. It's like, it's important to study and be in the right place for you, but don't let them rip you off. And, and this is a big one for me. I went to a lot of places not knowing, and I had my scholarship. So I just said, Oh, my scholarship will take care of anything. I don't care if they don't accept all of these credits, even though I took all these AP classes, even though I got a, 34 on my ACT and a 1700 on my SAT. And, and, oh, don't, and don't get the, me started. With the that. SAT, my score was before it went to a 3000 score, by the way. So in case you're like, the kid's brain dead. <laughs> this is, this Man, is back my, I, I only took the ACT and you would have thought that I was like severely mentally handicapped or I just Christmas tree the entire thing. I just Christmas tree the entire thing. And I studied for that. Like I thought I did well. Um, if I could interject, you know, that was one lesson. And now we're talking for people that might be going into college right now. Like if you're a senior in high school and you have the chance to go ahead and load up on classes, listen, even if you don't think you're an absolute scholar, load up on as many AP courses as possible. I saved so much money getting AP courses out of the way. And it actually helped me graduate within a four-year academic calendar. And that's the one thing that I don't think a lot of people realize. You get there, you will meet people in most of your like 100, 200 level classes who have been there for more than four years. Your goal should be to get in and to get out as fast as humanly possible. Taking those AP courses 
you know, in some places you have to pay for it. I was lucky. It was already paid for in my county. And I was definitely a C-average American. But I took those courses. It helped my GPA. But I also did well on them enough to, you know, score out of many of my introductory college-level classes. So if you have that as an option, take it. Because you need to save money and you need to escape as fast as possible before you find yourself there for another semester, another semester on top of that. And then you're like, okay, maybe I'll be on like the eight-year bachelor's plan. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the time crunch too because that's the other thing. Each one of these classes is not just saving literally thousands of dollars that they give you credit for. It's saving you literally six months of your life every time they cross it off. You know, it's just, it's so big. And the thing is with UNC, and this is probably because I was naive. I didn't push back because I just said, hey, I don't, I don't care whatever, you know, I'm sure it'll all be covered. But they, I had taken AP calculus. I did fine on my, my final score. And I said, okay, well, if I get a degree in say English was one of my, one of my first initial degrees, you know, how much math do I need? And they're like, well, you only need 20 credits worth of math and none of it has to be above algebra. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I took algebra in eighth grade. Like I'm, I'm done. You know what I mean? Easy. They're like, no, you still have to take, we'll, we'll give you credit for one semester of math. You still have to take 16 credits worth of math. Well, here's the problem with that is because my calculus degree, like my calculus graduation, I knew all the math I had to take. So the thing is, I needed 16 credits. I went back. I took pre-algebra. I took geometry. I took simple, stupid trigonometry again. I was way above all this stuff. And so that's the thing is like they will rip you off if they can. And so there, there is no logical reason for them to do that. No, other than to get money. I mean, there's a very incentivized reason for them to do it. It's just not logical. The idea is they want you to pay as much as you can for their degrees. And so the issue is, is if you walk in, don't act like you're a small fry. This is why I would encourage you to almost go down a college instead of up a college. Because mm-hmm. when you go down, which is, you know, if you're in Harvard, they're not going to give you credit for anything. They don't care. You're, you're their business for four years. But if you are ta- go to a community college and you say, look, I'm considering you guys, but I could just easily go to CU Denver, like, like in the drop of a hat, mm-hmm. that community college is going to be like, oh, you got your degree in calculus? Dude, forget math. Like, let me cross off 20 things for you. Guys, 20 credits? That's, that's like $20,000. I mean, <laughs> they are crossing off things that you have to pay. And so it is, it, it would behoove you to just say, I am not going to get worked over at admissions. I would go right off the bat, acceptance. Don't take that as the I made it moment. Your I made it moment is when you talk to your admissions and you say, what is my path forward going to look like? You don't even have to tell them your degree yet. Just be like, which credit, what are you going to give me credit for based on this? And the person in front of you who they will have at every college, that's the guy making the decision for all of it. Okay. So if he says, he or she says, you don't have to take any math if you're, or any math below this level, hold them to it. Be like, okay, thank you. I've got your word on that. You know what? And that's what we're going to do. And then you do that going forward. And so it makes a plan. And the, the great part about Liberty University, they saw my test scores and they said, well, all this is worthless. They saw all my transcripts and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. You, all this is worthless. I, I was only there for like a year and a half. And, and the thing is, and the reason is, is because they took all those other college transcripts I had, all those other classes, everything. And they said, I'm not going to waste your time here. Did they make you take, here. did they make you take all the Liberty specific courses though? Yeah. And we're talking about, you, you got, was this for your bachelor's or was this for another degree? 
This is a bachelor's degree. Okay, so you still had to take like biblical worldview, theology. Um, My major was in theology. Oh, so, so you already so it wasn't a big yeah. problem for you. That was the one thing that freaked me out was that my my summer after getting my associates um, was all spent entirely working just on university specific credits, so biblical worldview, theology, and then I took um, uh, psychology and human growth and development residentially. And that course I had problems with, but every every private school like that's going to have university specific courses. They want a certain degree of mm-hmm. literacy amongst the populace. And I mean, the one thing that I, I really want to emphasize, and you've hit this several times, guys, the real winners aren't the people with all the sashes and the, you know, cords on graduation day. The real winners are the people the day after graduation day that don't have to pay really any student debt at all. Yep. And that is something that, all my almost all my friends that went straight into community college, they did well there. Either they, you know, thought they, hey, I'm only good enough for community college, or hey, I know I can save more money this way. Almost everyone that went to community college and then finished their bachelor's elsewhere, they graduated with almost no student debt at all. Yeah. And that is something that I think a lot of you right now are probably really stressing about because I've seen how much law school is, for example. I have a friend that just graduated from the Antonin Scalia School of Law at George Mason University. And I was like, hey, what's the one thing you wish you could tell yourself before you graduated from law school? And she basically said, don't go to law school because for what I'm doing, it's a lot of freaking money that I don't, I didn't have, I did not want to pay. I didn't want to get too much into it with her. I didn't, I mean, her finances were her own thing, but I could probably tell that those courses weren't paid in cash. Yeah, I mean, the average doctor, I think, pays off, is finished paying with his student loans 10 years in his profession. Like, it, it's a long time. It's man, man, that's investment. why, like, AOC and Bernie Sanders bothered the living hell out of me. It's like, you think doctors went into medicine just because they love their craft? And I'm not saying they don't. You have to have a passion for what you're doing. But at the same time, you went into it also because, you know, the money's pretty good if you're good at what you do. And you have a lot of stuff you've got to pay off because you chose to be a doctor. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the system is very rigged and they fill it with a lot of filler and doctors should, uh, you shouldn't need eight years of extra schooling to be both a general doctor and then a specified doctor. I mean, there's a lot of years. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bull crap into being like, I think it's 12 to be like a podiatrist. I I didn't realize it took that long. I knew it took a few extra years. I didn't know it would take that long. It depends. I think your general practitioner is an extra four, but I think uh, after that, if you try to get specifics, they just, it's more and more. And it's Uh, not even, even an extra four years is horrifying. I looked into a master's program for two years. I'm like 24 months. I mean, the world can change. I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's right. a big commitment after just graduating <laughs> with the minimum. Sure. And not to defend them too much, uh, their their solutions are cruddy and just saying, well, we'll just, you know, pay them less and try to make, you know, ultimately the market reaches an equ- equilibrium with these type of things, right? Yeah. You have the amount of people that are willing to say, yes, I will I will rack up enough student debts for the next decade of my life because I love medicine this much but I expect this amount of money in return. Anyhow, not to get too far off subject because you touched on something that I definitely wanted to talk about and that's just student debt at all. 
And that is that you are likely going to, if you find the right college, they will offer you something. A lot of people think it is very difficult. I can tell you because I was a scholarship machine. Now, some of you guys here like, oh, well, yeah, you got great scores on your, I'm not a good test taker. Dude, let, let me jump in real fast. I yeah. did, I did almost the exact same thing you did. I wasn't a great student. <laughs> but my parents had to pay very little for school as a result of it. In fact, in fact, my two my two final years of school were entirely paid for. Now I went the army route, but even before that, I got at least I think three quarters of my college was paid before I even started my freshman year. Wow. And it wasn't because I was a great student. It's because I applied for everything. People, there are billions of dollars out there that yeah. go untouched every year. It, yeah, there's a lot of uh, even federal gr grants and loans that just never get touched because they say, you know, hey, not enough. Nobody applied for this one. I was great. I knew what I, my strengths were and I knew I would never have to pay for college, not because my family told me, because it was very obvious early on, not only with my test scores and my grades, but also I was a great essay writer. And I could say, and, and for me, yes, specific colleges might say, yes, we'll pay for you to attend here just based on your transcripts. And that's usually the scholarships we're trying to get. Usually that amount is a pittance, a couple of mm -hmm. nickels here and there, right? The scholarship I remember one scholarship gave me $1,000. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, $1,000? That's so <laughs> much money. <Yeah. laughs> Everyone is looking at me like I'm the biggest moron. Like I'm pretty sure $1,000 when I actually started paying for stuff only covered most of the books. Yeah, <laughs> I was so horrified with how incredibly expensive everything was. So let me tell you a story about the, the dumbest slash smarter scholarship I ever got. So here's the great part about a non-school-based scholarship. If you get it, you can apply to any school. So that's one of the cool things is you say, well, it wasn't this school giving it to me to, for me to go there. This, this is transferable anywhere. They're going to give me $2,000 to just go to whatever school I want. So you got more variety there. On top of that, I applied, <laughs> I wrote an essay and looking back on it, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever written in my life, but I had a very small view of the world and I wanted a scholarship. And my idea was that the big bang might've occurred somewhere in the middle of Jupiter because the biggest planet was Jupiter and the sun was over here. And then the small planets like Mercury and Venus on one side, and then Pluto and Neptune were, you know, smallish on the other side. So maybe the bang actually started here and the sun was just like an after effect. It, it, the math doesn't make up, make it up. The science didn't add up. I, it's a stupid theory, but the thing is, is nobody else submitted it. And guess what? I got $20,000 scholarship anywhere I wanted and a free trip to space camp. I took what? that. It was a lot of fun, right? It, it was, it was through, it was through Lockheed Martin. So here's the thing. Lockheed has scholarships like that waiting for people to submit some, anything, any, like mine was really dumb, but they are just waiting for somebody to submit it and say like, here you go, buddy. And the thing is, is almost every big organization has this boy Scouts of America has it. Even if you weren't a boy scout, Lockheed Martin, I mean, Raytheon, even people that we don't necessarily like, but pretty much think of any big business or any big bank. And they say, yeah, we've got an essay competition. Your competition with those is very little. Now, here's the thing. Maybe you're not a great essay writer. I don't want to try to sell everybody on my path to college. The thing is, this is your path to college. But there is some talent that you are going to be able to do. I 
found essays, but there are people that will do it with sports. There are people that do it with, I, I ultimately mine ended up not even being through essays because I spent it all going to colleges I hated, <laughs> but the money was through speech and debate scholarship. And ultimately, Liberty University was like, look, we've got a goal to win national speech debate. They did it three times. Well, they did it three times when I was there. And then they ended up doing three, three, three more times after I was gone. I mean, that was just a huge program for them. Like they yeah. just, they really care about it. And so if you find a college that has your same interests, they're going to pay you to be there if you actually benefit them. If you say, look, I can bring you to new heights. You see what they do for superstar athletes. They will do this for superstar scholars as well. Anything that gets them a medal or a trophy to put on their wall, they are going to try to get you in to be a part of that. Absolutely. And I mean, the scholarships that are out there, I mean, it's it's insane. I think a lot of people don't understand this, but a lot of uh, nonprofits and other organizations like depending on the number of people that are competing for a certain scholarship, the bar is often really low. What they need to do is they need to give that money out for a good press opportunity to justify it to donors the following year, because there's also a, a certain degree of overhead costs. So for some people, this might be the bonus that they wanted or the job security that they need. At Liberty University, what they did, and I think my brother competed for this, it was a $500 institutional scholarship. They needed to create a zombie emergency plan I kid you not, you could probably still find this on the school's website. So we're in, we're in our dorm. My brother was, um, actually, he's here. Ryan, I have a quick question. Do you remember the zombie emergency scholarship at Liberty? Yeah. What did you have to do? Come here. You had to come up with your own zombie survival plan. You had to come up with your own zombie survival plan. A 500 word essay you submitted. In under 500 words. That's freaking insane. I've I've spent spent my entire life thinking about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Give us 500,000 words. I mean, (laughs) I can, I can give charts. I'll do a run through. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we, this can be a whole thing. There's weirdos. I mean, look, um, let me go you, this is one that I found way after, right? I had a friend who was thinking about going to culinary arts. Let me tell you, he's given out scholarships for culinary arts. Yeah. You might go to the school, those schools, really expensive, even a $20,000 scholarship there means next to nothing. Like it is, uh, it's very expensive, but you know, who's, who else is giving out scholarships to go to those, go to those schools. You're talking like the Keebler elves, you know, Nestle, Lots of scholarships to send you to college. Don't, you don't know, discount those sense. cookies. Those cookies are life. Don't at all. Submit something. <laughs> submit something, even something they'll never use. But they have some kind of program where you just say, hey, look, I'm looking to go into college. I'm looking to kind of be a confectionery type master. I'm really excited about it. And if you send something they're excited about, some billion dollar CEO is going to be like, yeah, we got this set aside for scholarships. Throw them a few. You know, and and they'll get they'll get you your way there, and ultimately that's how they paid for their college. Was um, I don't think it ended up being Nestle; it was uh, Nabisco or something like that. But yeah, it it was. They all have something. That's like, crazy. Yeah, it's, the it's, money's there. The money's there, and 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 it's in the hands of the wrong people. And of course, we as libertarians all try to get it to the hands of the right people. But until I will then, totally take Lockheed Martin. I'm, I'm, I'll go ahead and just admit it. Yeah. I'm a I'm a I, I hold stock in Booz Allen Hamilton. Yeah, well, I hold stock in a lot of evil companies. 
Uh, like I said, they sent me to space camp. I didn't exactly say no, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this probe in my brain is starting to ache every time I talk about being a libertarian, but anyway, um, it, you know, it's just one of those that the world is big. And I just think that I sold myself short in so many ways. I wasted my initial set of scholarships. I was really lucky to find Liberty university later. That cared about what was the problem, the school, or was the problem that you didn't know what your degree was going to be in? The problem was absolutely school. Okay. I would have been miserable with any degree. I was very lonely. Like I said, I was I was bullied. I had a I had a real problem. On Aren't campus. you Mormon? I am. Yep. Why Why didn't you go to BYU? Uh, I I converted okay. actually at, at Liberty University. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yeah. <laughs> like well, that that's a whole other conversation. But like if you had just done it a few years earlier, oh no, you've got. I actually know. I have friends that went to BYU, and there's like a whole process for that. That's got to be like a lifelong thing. You got to yeah. be Mormon from like you know cradle to grave to go to BYU. But um, BYU yeah. actually was one that um that I that I had been in talks with. I, that was actually aside from University of Northern Colorado, I could have gone to BYU as well. And so I, I elected not to, even though I was not Mormon, I definitely lived that Mormon life. I had a lot of friends. I did have a lot of connections. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you probably, you probably could have been like, guys, I'm Mormon-ish. I'm Mormon-esque. <laughs> yeah. I'm Mormon in all the ways that you give a crap about. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Aside from saying the word crap. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, I mean, yeah. it's definitely, it, it was, and, and I mean, I, I want to kind of talk about this. I mean, school culture is definitely a thing like Liberty mm-hmm. University. People don't understand this. It's, I mean, they're playing gospel music on campus. Mm-hmm. It's not like Baylor, which is a nominally Methodist school or, or uh, Notre Dame, which used to be Catholic. Um, right. It's, it's, it's what you're getting into. And I think if I had gone to Liberty immediately out of high school, I think I may have had different view of it. I probably maybe wouldn't have stayed to finish off my degree, but I mean, I was only there for two years. I could do anything for two years. I did a lot of stuff for two years. So I mean, definitely understanding the culture. My, my brother was only at Liberty for a year. His freshman year was my senior year. He's at uh, George Mason now, and he's graduating. Oh, cool. And now he's going directly into a master's program because I guess he likes school more than I did. <laughs> but, like, you, you don't have to be fixed to that either. And that's another thing that bothered a lot of people there. This is one guy, he was, he was like, a tight end on the football team. He was the lacrosse captain. He went to Christopher Newport University, could not get accepted into a frat, dropped out a week before final exams his first semester. And then he thought he could never go back to school again because he failed at that one. And now, you know, like, I guess in the moment you're thinking, oh my gosh, he's just destroyed his college career. I look back and I'm like, dude, there's a college for everybody. Really? It's, and it's never too late. Uh, the, literally the last point that I even wanted to make sure that I got in on this show was that if you're in doubt, just wait, man, like go bus tables for a little bit, get that nest egg up there, find that apartment, get a consistent living situation going on. Ultimately, I admit right now, I am glad that my college was paid for. I am in a line of work. I've done restaurant management for most, most of my life. I'm not using my theology degree. I got it. It's cool to have it. I guess if I need to flex on somebody at some point, I can say that I have it. But that's all it is. And it probably wasn't worth four years of you know ping-ponging back and forth. I'm proud of my friendships and I had some great moments. But I would, n- I would never pay $45,000 for all the classes that I took. 
to have it. Ultimately, I went a different path in my life. And so the thing, I'm not dissuading anybody from going to college. Maybe what you want does require college, or maybe you just want to go for the experience. And if so, go ahead and pursue it. But there's also nothing wrong with waiting. If you're having any nagging doubt, take time out. Take that extra semester. A lot of people make that expectation right on you, right out of high school. Where are you going to college? Where are you going to college? I feel that pressure. I was part of it. That's part of the reason I messed up was that I got pressured into going in way too early. Had I taken time out with my life, had I really looked all over the place everywhere I want to, look, the colleges aren't going anywhere. Your high school transcripts aren't going anywhere. Have, especially for me, have that. Have your high school's admissions office, or uh, not admissions, but transcript um, phone number handy. Know the email, just being like, hey, I need you to send them here. I don't care if it's even 10 years later, they can send it wherever you need to go. You know, And so they say, okay, here's where we have it. You yeah, got your recommendations and trend and your uh, grades and everything there ready to go. And then you're back in. That's all it, all it is. Yeah. And I mean, you bring up something so important. It seems like there's this rush to get a lot of people into college. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I mean, we've covered a lot of it. And I know enough people who are listening to the show. I'm pretty sure you're a bit smarter than your average bear if you're listening to this show, folks. But the thing that killed me emotionally and mentally after graduating was not having a job lined up after graduation. And it came through sending out resumes at the beginning of my senior year, because I thought that's what you had to do. So when I amongst my, and I thought it was all my friends. Now looking back, it was only like a couple of friends. I knew a lot of people that were going on to law school and some were going to a seminary and others were getting fellowships or they were getting real high paid internships and stuff. And then here was me. They were like, Remso, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to be a full-time podcaster. And that was a very nice way of saying unemployed for a while. Um, there is no shame in you nailed it, Remzo. Oh you nailed gosh, it. Gosh, my life is my life is swimmingly awesome. But you know, it, it was one of those things where I, I I regret it, but I don't because one, I realized it's not like I had a job available. Secondly, it's something that if I hadn't tried to do, it would have bugged me forever. And I learned a lot of lessons from it. But you know, I did not get my first full time job. Until, until 2019, but I was working constantly. I was doing a lot of seasonal jobs. I did internships. I was doing a lot of freelance stuff. I taught myself how to be a copywriter. So let me tell you folks, if you can write and you can sell, you will never go hungry. There's always somebody out there willing to pay you for that. But you know, the, the one thing that bothered me, um, I, my parents paid for a class ring, uh, a gold ring that I usually wear. I'm not wearing it in the midst of the plague because what am I going to wear a gold ring and sweatpants with in my house? It's, I'm just not <laughs> impressing anybody. But I remember I was a, I was a minimum wage. It was so funny. Like I, I was a mall cop, then I was working a few other jobs. So it's like my, the, my hourly pay was just going down and it's just, it, it was killing me. But I was making seven twenty five at 24 years old, working as a cashier at GameStop, I was wearing my ring and this kid who was buying a um, Nintendo Switch version of Doom, the kid had very good taste in video games. Um, he was probably like seven or eight, which now I'm wondering why did his parents let him buy Doom? But that's a whole other thing. He, he looked at my ring and he said, what's that? And I said, that's my college ring. And he said, where'd you go? And I said, I went to Liberty University. He's like, if you went to college, why are you here? 
and I looked at him and this was a real come to Jesus moment because I've got one little devil on my shoulder saying, punch the child. I've got the other one saying, your boss is right behind you. And I looked at him and I said, because when you're an adult, you have to work and I'm happy to be working because how else would you get your game today? And I didn't think of it for the rest of my shift. I go home and I was so emotionally wrecked because here I am having this kid ask something that I know a lot of people around me were probably asking, why is Remso doing that? But let me tell you, folks, I know too many people in this area in D.C. who have bachelors, who have MBAs, who are going and getting their doctorates, who are driving Uber, tending bars, and doing really crappy jobs. There are so many people out there that did not get the job they wanted or are working in a field right now. It's kind of like in a transition stage in their life. Don't ever think that any job is beneath you. There's dignity in work, and I cannot stress that enough. I was always happy to be working, irregardless as to whether or not I was dealing with drunk women on Friday nights as a mall cop, or I was selling makeup door to door outside of Baltimore, or I was dealing with angry people trying to return games for $2 at GameStop. I was always happy to be working, even when it was hard, because at least I was being productive and I was paying my bills and I was making money. There's, there's dignity in that. And you don't have to tell that to anybody but yourself. You don't have to justify anything to anybody. Because eventually things obviously worked out for me, but it, I would not have maintained that level of professionalism and, you know, hard work if I wasn't doing work that I wasn't always happy with. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's my biggest lesson. I, I, I love it. And the thing is, is I, I am doing something that I didn't require a college degree for you know, to do. And I love what I do right now. I'm not looking around. I absolutely love it. I have servers that make $600, $700 a week, working five days, working no more than 35 hours because they're good at it. They're good at being nice with people. And I love everything about it. And the thing is, is I strongly encourage this, this kind of work if that's for you. One of my favorite movies ever is Office Space. At the very end, the guy, his whole life, the guy's whole life has been in, in an office, right? He hates his job. Don't go through life like that. Like, I'm sure he's, he's looking at himself and he's like, well, I got this degree so that I could have this job. I got the, you know, I really got to do that right now, man. I got some people in it that are friends of mine, real smart people. And they make great money when they're hired and they're hired about 50% of the time. I mean, they just keep getting, they're the first people to get dropped off for some reason. Mm-hmm. A lot of these introduction places are like, Oh, Hey, um, Lockheed, great practice, almost never hires a full-time IT people because they just want it on their resume. Resume. So you work for them for a year for free doing all of their IT. Then they get rid of all of you and put another batch of IT people that are willing to work for free for them. And this is just, and my dad works for Lockheed. And so that helps too. I have a lot of Lockheed talk this conversation, but this is uh, the thing is, is like that is so at the very end, he ends up being a construction worker and he's happy. Like it's him smiling. That happiness cannot be replicated by any amount of acceptance from other people for your life. I don't, I I get that it's easier to come home and be like, Hey mom, I'm a big shot wall street, whatever. I worked in mortgage for a little bit. Telling people I was a mortgage broker broker feels so prestigious. It looks so good on your dating profile. You know, you're so, Oh mom, I'm a mortgage broker, dude. That job sucked. 
I was like the second highest sales for like the whole like Midwestern region. I think I made like $60,000 in a year and it was work and it was cold calls and it was talk, talking to people. And I made way more money than that. Just serving tables with no pressure, being nice to people. Again, not to criticize your life choices. If mortgage broker sounds like your thing, dude, do it, do it. But if busing tables doesn't sound so bad, do it. It's okay. You Folks, know? At the end of the day, if you can pay your bills and you're being financially responsible, who gives a shit what you do? You don't have to, no, nobody else is paying your bills. What is their judgment? It's nothing. Like I say this now as somebody that sounds confident in that, but that's a lesson I had to learn because I had a lot of friends that were working for prestigious think tanks. I was selling, I was making more money than they were when I was selling makeup door to door. And it's like, you know what? I, I, I hate this. I, that job only lasted like three weeks, but um, <laughs> it was, you know, at, at the end of the day, the older you get and the more of these situations you have to deal with, the more you realize that a lot of your own insecurities and presuppositions about how your work life is going to be, they really go away. And honestly, I feel a lot more comfortable with that. But the one thing I want to, because we're running close on time, the one thing I really want to emphasize, and I know you can definitely add to this, folks, just because college is over does not mean the learning is over. I mentioned my brother Ryan earlier. He's going for a master's degree, unless he changes his mind tomorrow morning, for all I know. By the time this comes out, it'll definitely be, oh, yeah, I changed my mind. But anyway, like I tell people, I'm a prestigious alumni of YTU. And they're like, what's YTU? I'm like, YouTube University. I have learned so much from YouTube and Udemy and from the public library. I know I'm a bad libertarian because I like the library. I learned more from there because I had to learn and adopt new skills than I was when I was paying a ridiculous amount of money for classes I didn't go to. Like just because the classroom ends does not mean that your education ends, especially if you're going into a different field. I'm, in, I'm a social media coordinator for a national news outlet. This job did not exist three years ago. It's, it's still developing now in a brand new field. I'm having to take online courses for certifications. I'm having to listen to all the uh, professional development podcasts and this stuff. Yeah. I like it. I like learning it, but it's like I'm having to find myself more work just to be good at the work I'm doing. Yeah. And it's, I don't see this ending. Right. Oh no, it never, it never will. The, the learning has accelerated since I graduated because it's not regimented. Mm-hmm. It's something about the chaos of it. You're just soaking everything in. And this is something they analyze with people that are unschooled or homeschooled a lot is their uh, entrepreneurship levels are off the chain. Like just, oh my gosh, just so my, my mentor. Learning. Yeah. I mean, my, my really good friend and my, I, I call him, I call him the guy that helped me graduate college. He helped me with one of my uh, senior term papers, uh, Logan Albright. He wrote the foreword for my first book, stay away from the libertarians. Logan was unschooled, went to university of Georgia, I think. And his sister was unschooled. She went to school too. They both have like two master's degrees. And they're the smartest people I've ever met in my life because they have such a drive for learning and obtaining new knowledge and skills. 
Right. I mean, I just, I ended up following my passions. Even after I finally graduated from Liberty, what happened then? Well, then I decided to get really, for some reason, I just loved reading about economics suddenly. I didn't like it four years ago. I liked it then. I decided I wanted to read one book in every one of like the 33 schools of economics. And I did. And And then I kept going because I just kept being more and more interested in it. And now... I am a published journalist for, you know, for, for the heretic and, um, you know, and various other publications, you know, obviously regular contributor, contributor on the weird libertarians network. I give them that for free. Cause I love Hashtag them so much. Build the wall. Hashtag build the wall, W-A-L, because I love them so much. And so, you know, we give it to them for free. But, you know, this is something that that is important to me. And it's something that became important to me and not something that I studied, but something that it's all that learning that you talked about that occurred at outside of a structured school schooling environment. It just happens. It would have never happened in school. I would have never taken a class about each of the 33 different schools of economic thought. It only happened because it was something I was passionate about it. I filled my free time with it. It became a leisurely activity. And isn't that what we're trying to teach our kids anyway, that learning is something that shouldn't have to be forced. It's something that you should want to do. And I finally, after being done with proper schooling, finally learned what it was like to say, I enjoy learning with nobody forcing it on me. I am having fun. There's this thing, there's something in between school and video games. And that's getting the same entertainment from video games and having the same knowledge that you would have gotten from school. And that is something that really is just going to come naturally. You know, if you, if you just put everything down and put your life on pause for a few months, you'll probably figure it out. Absolutely. And I mean, I tell people all the time, if my podcast had like two listeners and no one cared about it, I would still be doing it because I have learned so much from a lot of the fantastic people that I've had a chance to speak to. Um, You know, uh, Congressman Ron Paul, he, he spoke to me for like an hour and then he stayed on the line with me for an extra 15 minutes. Like that was a master's class in government. Um, somebody I just spoke to today, Jeffrey Warnick. Now, not many of you, many of you probably not heard of him. He kind of keeps a low profile, but he was one of the first investors in Bitcoin. He's a Bitcoin billionaire. He's an angel investor. He's a venture capitalist. At 24, he was working for the Reagan administration because he was recommended by Milton Friedman when he was at the University of Chicago to start doing research on social security reform. I did an hour show with him and then we stay on the line for another hour because I was just asking him questions. Here I am talking to somebody who typically otherwise people would probably pay a lot of money to speak to. But here I am for almost two hours getting a master's class in economics absolutely for free. And I get to share that conversation. It's unbelievable. It blows my mind. When you get it straight from the well, there's nothing quite like it, right? And I think this is something that schooling has infected as well. When you just sit down and say, you know what? I'm going to read Wealth of Nations. I don't understand capitalism. I'm just going to read Wealth of Nations. Yeah, it's like a 33, 36-hour book. I, no holds barred. I get that. Right? It's the suppository of learning, folks. You are going to talk about capitalism for the rest of your life. So why not spend 33 hours to just see like, what is this? What is this whole thing that the thing is based on? I have read, I think everything Marx has ever written. There always seems to be some essay that crops up, right? People talk about Marxism and socialism all the time. You will be infinitely ahead in the conversation if you just read it. 
I mean, how many people it, do you know talk about uh, Marx, either good or bad, that have just never read anything he's ever said? It's right? it's ridiculous. And I, I'm going to go off on a tangent. You, you open this up, Hody. I hate social studies, but I love history. Do you know what the main difference is? No. Social studies is an interpretation of a certain time or certain area of human civilization that is aimed with a, with a specific narrative and a predetermined outcome. History teaches you things, but primarily from the evaluation and understanding of source documents, context, and different interpretations of an event outcome. We don't teach history. We teach social studies. And they are remarkably two different things. People freak out when I say that, but I'm like, I will, I, I, if I have children, I never want them to take a social studies course. I want them to actually go to a museum. I want them to actually go read these documents. I want them to go talk to people who are on different sides of an issue so that way they can understand it. And they're not just learning history from one perspective. It's the difference between teaching a lesson that I want you to learn and teaching what happened and hoping that you learn the lesson. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where if I wasn't constantly doing that, if I wasn't constantly learning, it would have, I I would not have gotten the job I had today. I definitely wouldn't have written two books by now, but there's, I, I, so we're, we're, what we're going to do, folks, to wrap this up, we're going to each give you one giant adult-sized tip, primarily for the graduates, whether you're leaving high school and you're entering the workforce or whether you're graduating from college and you got to figure out your next step for personal development. My tip is this. One of the best books I read was Never Eat Lunch Alone. One of the things that I had to learn how to do was to get out of my shell and reach out to people. I was working in D.C. pretty often. So if I, there was an economist or a researcher or somebody I wanted to talk to, I'd reach out. I'd tell them who I am. Hey, I'd like to talk to you about this. Can I buy you lunch or coffee? If you never eat lunch alone and if you're constantly building those relationships with people, either personal or professional, it will open up so many opportunities for you that you would never have. So irregardless as to what you're doing, whether it's politics or engineering, journalism or finance, banking, what have you, whether you're working at McDonald's or you're working at Lockheed Martin, never eat lunch alone. That's my tip. Awesome. Mine is going to be just do what you want to do. It's going to sound counterintuitive because your whole life you're going to get told don't do that. You won't be happy there. You don't be happy there. You know when you won't be happy is if you never explore that. And here's the bottom line. You're going to explore it, but it's going to happen one of two ways. One is it's going to happen now when you're young, you've just graduated and you can explore that opportunity and it fails. And then you do whatever your backup plan was by age, you know, 25, 30, you know, or you're going to try, you're going to hold your head underwater as long as you can, can, You're going to flake out at about 40 years old. You're going to collapse your family. You're going to lose all your finances. And then you're going to explore that thing that you really wanted to do because that's what made you so miserable is because you just never tried. And you're going to try and you're going to do it and you're going to feel better, success or failure. But the thing is, wouldn't you rather get that done by the time you're, when you're young rather than when you're old? If you are thinking about it, just do it. Just do it. Just try it. Just start that band. You know what? I mean, I picked up my guitar. I found out that my my fingers are actually too fat for a conventional guitar. I tried. I can't, couldn't figure it out. Couldn't be a bass guy? Uh, I'm just bad at it. I'm just bad. That's all there is to it. I'm not good <laughs> at it, right? 
But the thing is, I know. I don't have to wonder. I know because I explored it and I wanted to try. And so I tried, found out I wasn't good at it. I know I can put that, that, that is a chapter in my life. It's on the shelf and I probably won't have to go back to it, but it's written. The thing is, is you are always going to wonder about those unwritten chapters of your life until they're written. And it's okay if it's a bad ending, as long as it has an ending, you know, that's the cold opening for the show folks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we got to copy paste that and then send that. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, really that's it. Do what you want to do. Graduates. uh, Congratulations. If you've just graduated, whether it be high school or college, man, school is rough. <laughs> I'm having a lot more fun as an adult than I was as a, st- as a student. So like any day of the week. Yeah. If you guys are sizing up your life now and being like, Oh man, now it gets harder. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Now it gets easier. You have fun and just, just live your life. So congratulations. Absolutely. My, my biggest regret, you know, being a good amount of years distance from when I was in school about school was that I didn't take school seriously enough. And honestly, if you're like that, I know a lot of people who are like that. There's more than enough time to learn things. So that's about it. Hody, thank you so much for joining the show today. Love you, Ramzo. Thank you for having me on. Awesome, folks. Please go ahead. If you like this conversation, harass Hody and I in the We Are Libertarians fan group. Go to the uh, We Are Libertarians podcast page. You'll see the group right there. Come hang out with us. As always, you can find me on social media everywhere. How Al Gore's amazing internet works. Hey, Remso, I'm just at Remso on Parlor. If you ever see Remso 2 pop up, call that person a loser. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I'll talk to you later, folks. You're listening to On the Run with Remso W. Martinez. Good night. shows and more from the We Are Libertarians network at wearelibertarians.com.